Chapter 11. Don't tell my boss, but I really didn't have a family emergency. I crossed my fingers as I lied to Cindy on the phone. I bit my lip as she hoped everything was all right with Ricky while Dean nibbled on my neck. This man could talk me into doing just about anything. I think he knows it. I'm in a lot of trouble. He grabs the phone from my hand after I hang up, places the device carefully on a tabletop well out of my reach. There. See how easy that was? He's leering over me, smiling. Lying comes easy to you, does it? I sigh and wait. My gaze lingers. The concave chest is carved like a jutting rock cliff high above me. His pecs are bunched together, and his biceps are taut and firm. I want to squeeze all of him. But I behave myself. He shrugs. Has to with the job. One of his fingers slips into the sheet folds I've modestly used to cover my own chest. He seems content brushing against the breastbone. For now. Not many people want to admit to all the nasty stuff under the surface. Gotta gloss things over to get to the truth. I nod. So what are your plans for me tonight? He smiles. I'm pushing him into the easiest of comebacks. He knows it. We've got time for work talk later. Let's focus on my plans for you right now. My jeep bounces along the brick paving the four lanes of the main highway that cuts into Stockton. I pull into a primo spot in front of Scale Warriors, the kitschy cartoon sign, a weight scale strangled into an hourglass shape with a tape measure, hangs off the side of the nondescript exterior of a building. The picture window is plastered with posters and promotions. I can tell the lights are on, but can't see anything much inside. I question the motives of the franchise owners renting space right next to the hometown cafe on the corner of Main and South Walnut Street. But then I spot a sign for a physical therapist on the other side of the weight loss center and give them a temporary pass. It's 6 p.m., and the streetlights flicker as darkness overpowers the sky. I hate when daylight savings time ends. There's not much time to stay grumpy when I catch Dean pulling into a spot on the other side of Main Street. That Impala is almost as sexy as he is. The black, sleek paint shimmers under a yellow lamp. The color, the way the car catches the light, reminds me of something. It takes me a second to connect the dots. It shines like the marcasite bracelet that belonged to my grandmother that I cherish. The Art Deco style is even reminiscent of the bunker. Maybe I'll wear it the next time I'm out on a date with Dean. Date. Oh, God. What decade is this? And why am I thinking about a date with this man when I'm about to walk into an all-you-can-eat buffet for a suspected vampire nest? I lock eyes with him across the four lanes, cars rolling between and blurring our connection. Even in the dark interior of his car and through a window, I feel those eyes burning. My thighs clench along with my core. I feel the sear and remember him. Inside. It hasn't been that long since he released me from his clutches. We spent a couple hours in bed after I was easily coerced into playing hooky. Then, he relented, allowed me to shower alone after some debate, solely with himself, that he could join me. But then, he concluded, neither one of us would get clean. I would not have minded. After making myself presentable, I ate leftovers in the kitchen with him and his brother and discussed the plan they had concocted 
in detail. I waited in the library and read while I was made some fake identification, then sent home by mid-afternoon, ordered by Dean to get ready and not wear anything too sexy that would make me stand out. Told that would be impossible for me, but that I should try. Sent on my way with a kiss for luck and a smack on my ass. That confident smile he shot me, along with a goodbye, told me there was more where that came from. Again, I would not have minded in the least. I catch the upturn of his cocky grin when he rolls down the window. That mouth had me emitting noises I didn't even know were possible this morning. Yeah, that's why I'm thinking about all that. My phone rings. I'm privy to the end of a conversation he's having with Sam as I pick up. (laughs) His gaze has turned to the bait and tackle shop he's parked in front of to his right. Check it out, Sammy. Sign says live nude fish bait. He chuckles. Dude. How old are you? I can hear the depth of Sam's tired sigh. We don't all have a stick up our ass 24-7. Dean replies. I wait for the moment when he realizes I'm on the other line. His head turns back and he nods in my general direction. Winner? Yep. How you doing? Good. The waver in my voice makes a liar out of me. Sure. I said I was good. Okay, putting you on speaker. There's a second or two before he's back. All right, so let's go over exactly what you need to do. Sam pipes in. I can't make him out clearly in the shadow of the passenger seat. The outline of his large body is moving and animated. You're going to sign up for a membership. Use the ID Dean made you. My mouth purses tight. I have questions about my ID and the credit card Dean slipped me without Sam seeing. I'll wait. Dean picks up the conversation. Remember, I'm going in first. Maybe get someone on edge. Crack of an ear or two. And you? I'm the middle-aged woman looking to drop a few pounds and get back in the dating scene. If you see anybody you know, Sam begins, hightail it out of there. I finish for him with a huff and a frown. Dean nods. Exactly. No waiting around. Otherwise, you sit in on the meeting and see what you can turn up for us. I'll try and hang out as long as I can. It's getting close to meeting time. I'm going to go take a walk. There's that restaurant down the street we thought might be a lead to. Sam mumbles something to Dean. Going to be great, Winner. The car door squeaks and Sam's tall frame emerges onto the street. He taps the hood of the Impala and buttons his blazer before heading to the Italian place where one of the victims worked. Whoever said the suit makes the man never saw a Winchester wear one. You're worried. Dean's off speaker, holding the phone close to his ear and surveying the area around the car, peeking at his rear and side view mirror. I'm not. You're not the best liar, sweetheart. Maybe this won't work. He sighs, not making eye contact. How about I just go in and do my thing? Worried and nervous might work in my favor. Besides, I really wouldn't be lying. I could stand to lose some weight. He scoffs. Please, those curves of yours don't need to go anywhere. He's smiling, but still not making eye contact. Busy on work detail, he's bent down and angled over the passenger side. It looks like he's rummaging through his glove box. Are you thinking of getting back in the dating scene? 
You make that announcement and I'm going to have a ton of competition. You've got nothing to worry about. He sits up and connects his gaze with me for a second. You think that, but you'd be wrong. He shifts in his seat. What are the questions you got before I head in? How do you sneak up on anybody in that car? Very carefully. The man does a spot-on Elmer Fudd impersonation. I laugh and try to regain my composure for the next question. Oh, this ID you made? He's all grin now. I can see the white of his teeth lanes away. Really, Dean? Easy change when I copied your license. How could I resist? Plus, you can use Sam's credit card I swiped out of his wallet if you need to pay for the membership. I sigh. Even worried, you're not just going to be great. You're going to be awesome. Remember, we don't know each other. Okay. Even though we do. Intimately. In the biblical sense. My observations from the past 24 hours have concluded that a sexually sated dean makes for a rather cheeky dean. See you in a bit. He whispers and hangs up. I take a deep breath and feel my cheeks tick up when he pops out of the driver's side. The after-sunset sky is a perfect match to the dark blue of Dean's suit. He eyes the traffic from both sides and times it so he can jaywalk with confidence. Right past the hood of my car. He gives me a friendly nod and a wink, then disappears into scale warriors. I follow the plan and give him exactly two minutes. An electric chime signals my entrance. The waiting area and counter are cool white. Pops of blue and red letters are decaled on the wall with positive mantras. A male staff person in a red polo shirt with tight brassy red curls and orange freckles is behind the counter. He looks concerned as he talks to Dean. Oh, I'm sorry. Not Dean. Agent Sambor, I'd be happy to give you the information you're asking for, but it's against our privacy policy to... Jerry, right? Dean waves a finger at the man's name tag. The man doesn't look much older than my Ricky. The idea that he could be a vampire makes my stomach flip. Is it your policy to assist in obstruction? No, sir. I don't necessarily need to look at your files. If you answer some questions, based on your own personal knowledge, that'd be very helpful. Dean leans on the counter. He's doing a damn good job with the imposing and low-key threatening. Is it wrong that I'm finding that incredibly sexy? He gives me a side glance, acknowledging my presence even if Jerry hasn't. He focuses on the employee again. His voice is lower this time. Much easier than me having to take you in for questioning. I, I... Dean taps a hand onto the formica to snap Jerry out of his stammer. I'll be over here while you take care of this lovely customer. He stands up and waves a hand at me with a killer smile. He's all yours, miss. He nods and darts over to one of the plastic seats. Oh, man. I get a whiff of his killer cologne and purse my lips tight. Jerry's sweating. I might be sweating, too. The room feels unusually cool. Welcome to Scale Warriors, the allies in your weight loss battle. He squeaks out the sales pitch. I'm Jerry. How can I help you on your journey today? Hi. I squeak back, aware of Dean's eyes on me from behind. I was interested in signing up for a membership. 
Jerry smiles. Absolutely. He taps on his keyboard. I can see if one of our coaches is available for a quick consult. Oh, that'd be great. I heard there was a meeting tonight. Is that something I could sit in on? Absolutely. He looks over to Dean for a quick second. We'll need some information to get you into the system if you do decide to join. He hands me a clipboard. Feel free to look over our policies while I see if someone can answer any questions you may have, miss. He lets the question dangle for me to answer. I clear my throat. Winchester. Samantha Winchester. Chapter 12 Dean coughs behind me. I maintain a small smile directed at Jerry. There's a mustard stain on his polo. The smell of greasy fast food has me guessing he's got a burger and fries stashed behind the counter. If he's a vampire, maybe he's eating to blend in? But not being the best role model of healthy habits there, Jerry. Shouldn't that be a huge no-no in here? I'll be right back. Jerry nods and turns to the doorway that leads to more of the place we need to case. Case. That rush of being undercover and covert is another reason my heart is beating fast. Dean's deep baritone mumbles through the waiting area. About how much longer before boss man shows up, Jerry? Jerry flinches, stops in his tracks. When he turns back to respond, he looks paler. I got a text response from boss woman. Inform me she had a family emergency. Won't be in tonight. Jerry's courtesy smile is cracking under the pressure. He sprints out of our presence. I stroll past the open doorway to peek. The lights are dimmer into wherever he's disappeared to find me a coach. I remember the lore I read and the rehashing of some key facts about vampires Sam and Dean discussed earlier. Vamps won't burn to ashes in sunlight but they are sensitive to various types of light and don't particularly care for bright environments. That could account for the posters covering up most of the windows and the cool white vibe in the entryway. I realize it's not the usual fluorescent feel in this space. Oh man, there might actually be a vampire working in Scale Warriors in Stockton, Kansas. I tap my nails on the clipboard. A rotation on my sensible heels has me staring at Dean. He's leaning forward in his seat, suit jacket unbuttoned, and distracted doing something with his phone. I'm kind of glad he's not staring back. I've got a good run of coherent thoughts and fact-collecting that would get thrown off track by all that face. After a second of decision-making, I take a seat and pretend to read through the paperwork. I'm catty-corner from Dean. Two chairs and a fake potted plant allows for a comfortable distance I think one would want from a stranger in a waiting area. The rustling of papers and tapping from Dean on his phone mixes with the soft music playing from a ceiling speaker. There's a security camera mounted in a corner that faces the entrance door. I shift in my seat, wondering if Dean's noticed that too. I fiddle with the open collar of my dusty gray blouse and pick a hair off the dark denim of my jeans. The ashes I was given by Sam to sprinkle over my clothes made the color choices necessary. 
burned remnants of saffron, skunk cabbage, and trillium are supposed to make it hard for a vampire to lock onto my scent. An apparent no-no, and something to try to avoid at all costs. But I also wanted to avoid said mixture from staining a lighter fabric that hangs in my closet. My phone buzzes from the side pocket of my purse. It's a text from Dean. Didn't I tell you not to dress too sexy? How's a guy supposed to concentrate? He leans back in his seat, phone in one hand, and focuses on the doorway to the back rooms. His knees are spread wide apart. I suck my lips in to prevent the wide smile that wants to emerge. I text back. Did you have any luck earlier? His phone dings. He looks down and types away. I hear the swoosh of a message coming my way. I hope I get lucky with you later. I peek at him from under my glasses. He's still not making eye contact. All businesslike and serious. No wisecrack smile as he continues tapping. Jerry's not budging, and I don't think he's got a clue. Only been working here a few months. I'll try to get the boss's name before I leave. But not going anywhere until the meeting starts, and you've got some company. Safety in numbers. Thanks. There's a slight tick up at the corner of his mouth as he answers my one-word reply. I prepare myself for whatever he's composing that has him amused. Another swoosh. My gaze tears from those sinful lips to read his text. And then after this milk run, Miss Winchester, you're taking me back to your place. You know, to debrief me and all. So much debriefing to do after. God damn it. A voice startles me out of my thoughts as to the specifics of what debriefing Dean might entail. Miss Winchester? The voice is most definitely not Dean's. I tilt my head up to see that it belongs to the toned frame of a woman around my age. She's donning form-fitting, loud-patterned leggings, a sports jacket, and a high blonde ponytail. Her eyes lock onto Dean. He gives her that sweet smile and head nod. She may have come out looking for me, but she's found something much more interesting. I can't blame her for the distraction, a thrill that I've indulged in a lot of what she's probably thinking, with the man her eyes are currently undressing, ripples under my skin. I drop the phone back into my purse and raise two fingers. That'd be me. There's a delay on her end to turn and acknowledge me. It's not her fault. She's been pulled into Dean's formidable tractor beam of attraction. Nice to meet you. She steps to me as I raise, and we meet in the middle with a handshake. I'm Bonnie. Jerry said you're interested in joining us at Scale Warriors. I'd be happy to provide you with some more information about the program and do a quick consultation before our meeting gets started. That'd be great. I feel like I'm in robot mode, stilted and clunky in my response. If I am, it doesn't seem to register with Bonnie, who may be on robot mode herself. Her brown eyes blink in rapid succession. Please follow me. She leads the way, walking and talking. How'd you hear about us? I give Dean a quick side glance, and he offers me a reassuring smile. Billboards, radio ads. Your advertising department is doing a great job. Well, our advertising department of one will be happy to hear that. Bonnie lets out a canned little giggle. Once I pass through the threshold from the entryway to the back, I met with a large open space with rather poor lighting. A standing computer workstation is tucked away in each of the three corners. 
I notice there's another staff member busy working away on one of them. A circle of chairs waits for the meeting to begin in the middle of the floor. More posters, spouting tips and tricks about nutrition and exercise, are evenly spaced along the walls. There are multiple professional-style weight scales, some mounted mirrors, racks of self-help pamphlets, and a water cooler. Jerry whizzes past us back to the front. Bonnie continues. What is it that brought you here today? I sigh and wrap my arms around the clipboard. Ready for a change? Open myself up to some new possibilities? Wonderful. She smiles and shows off the whitest and straightest set of teeth I've seen in a while. I stare at them and wonder if she has a set of retractable fangs. We have an introductory enlistment program that might be perfect for you. I believe the paperwork Jerry gave you highlights our Army private benefits. Agent Sambora. As soon as Jerry's voice raises and calls his name, I see Dean appear in the doorway, casual as can be. A rather disgruntled-looking Jerry is right behind him, dashing to keep up. We're getting ready for a meeting. I heard you the first three times. Don't mind me. Carry on with your preparations. Dean's strolling past the posters and picks up a pamphlet to read. Jerry looks to Bonnie and raises his hands in defeat. Bonnie frowns and focuses on me once again. Sorry about this. I wave a hand. Nothing to be sorry about. I lean in and whisper my question. Why exactly is the FBI here? She shrugs. No idea. Hey, Jer, what's your boss's name? Dean steps on one of the scales. He taps the weight to try to balance and get a reading. His brows lower as he keeps tapping. Laura Sullivan, Jerry responds. Dean nods, hops off the scale, and beelines over to the other staff member. I watch as he introduces himself and flashes his badge. Bonnie clears her throat. Anyway, we're running a special. First month is free with a three-month commitment. Or you have the option for a month-to-month enlistment. The murmurs and mumblings of Dean's conversation wrestles with my focus. I'm pretty much a one-day-at-a-time gal. Month-to-month would probably better suit me. Of course. Bonnie doesn't seem to mind in the least. What brings you to us? She crosses her arms. Is there an important event coming up? I smile. She's making this super easy. I got word of a high school reunion in the works. Bonnie smiles back. Ah, say no more. How much time have we got to work with? Four months to shed ten pounds? I ask, hopeful. She waves a hand. Sensible goal. Totally doable. I'd really like to attend the meeting tonight. You know, dive right in. I use the clipboard as a prop to illustrate my eagerness. I think we can get a quick application processed in the next 20 minutes. We love that kind of enthusiasm. Excuse me. I jump along with Bonnie at Dean's interruption. How the hell did he sneak up on the both of us? Yes? Bonnie clutches the side of her neck. He flips a badge open and shut. Ryan over there. Dean thumbs behind him to the staff member hiding behind a monitor. Says you were Mary Talbot's coach. Is that correct? Her eyes fill with an easily identifiable look. One I saw from others for days weeks, months after Rick passed. Sadness tinged with sympathy. I was, 
such a horrible thing that happened. The brothers have only tied one of the murders back to this weight loss center. Mary Talbot, mother of three, local high school teacher, had been married to her husband Scott for 20 years. She'd gone missing, body eventually found six months back. When I heard that yesterday over dinner, I thought my hunch had been a bust. But it turned out, when they mapped out the location of the fitness centers in relation to scale warriors in Stockton, well, it was smack dab in the middle of all them. And further digging from Sam found that scale warriors had held info sessions at each of the fitness centers over the past two years. There was a connection, and it pointed to someone who worked here. My skin crawls at the thought that it's Bonnie. The short interaction and tiny glimpse of her reaction to Dean's question displays a great ability to empathize. Did she lend a sympathetic ear and boost Mary Talbot's confidence at weight loss, only to jab into her jugular and drink her dry? This was one of the last places Mary visited before she went missing that same night. Dean continues, Anything weird or out of place that you can remember? She blinks fast again. That was a long time ago. Dean nods. Six months. She shrugs. I have a hard time remembering where I park my car at the mall, afraid I can't tell you the specifics of a day that far back. Nothing out of the ordinary I can think of. How long were you her coach? Three months. Bonnie sighs. She was making amazing progress. She smiles at me. Getting ready for a class reunion, too. Hmm. Dean nods. He pulls out a business card from an inside lapel. If you think of anything, Bonnie, right? She tugs the card out of his fingers and nods. Appreciate any insight. He smiles at me and strolls back to the doorway to lean against the wall. Dean has no plans to go anywhere until the meeting starts. And he's left me with an opening to see what else I might be able to get out of Bonnie. I spot worry on her face now. I remember reading about that, I begin. Hard to believe something like that could happen in a town like Stockton. Bonnie shivers. Dean's gaze locks with mine over Bonnie's shoulder for a couple seconds. There's no tell in familiarity, just interest. He does make a fine FBI agent. I'm guessing you build up a bit of camaraderie with the clients. I'm sure you were saddened by the news, I offer. We take our clients' struggles and successes to heart. Bonnie may be spilling out scripted words, but there's a hint of authenticity behind them. She straightens. Speaking of, no time better than right now to get you on the road to success. Follow me. A light smile pops up and she walks over to one of the workstations. I smile and get ready to sign up for a membership as Samantha Winchester. Dean grins at me with something like, Pride. The night air is chillier as I step out onto the sidewalk with Peggy. The 30-something latched onto me from the start. I got an earful about her impending wedding happening in two months and how she's halfway to her goal. She's going to fit into that size 4 Vera Wang bridal gown even if they have to stitch her up in it before she walks down the aisle. I listen as I always do. It's a skill I have in spades. She grabs my forearm and wishes me a good night. Others spill out of the weight loss center. 
It's obvious who's a veteran, who's buddied up for emotional support, who's new and looking for reassurance and guidance. I played up being a nosy little newbie with those that had been around for a while. The mention of a visit by an FBI agent in my discussions after the meeting, led with great enthusiasm by Ryan, raised some antennae from those genuinely wanting to hear more. There wasn't much to dissect from the information. Those that knew of Mary said she seemed to have a wonderful family and was a committed teacher. There were also praises about how good of a coach Bonnie was. I sigh and look over to the other side of the street at the Impala still parked in the same spot. I narrow my eyes and try to spot Dean in the driver's seat, wondering if he's hiding in the shadows a bit. The brothers will be disappointed that nothing really came out of my time in Scale Warriors and Dean's going to have to explain to Sam about the charge on his credit card. That membership is going to be a bitch to cancel. But I'm thinking most of their lines of credit are not on the up and up to begin with, and credit scores are not of great importance. I look around when I realize I've been lost in my thoughts long enough that everyone has gone their separate ways. A quick shuffle of steps behind me draws my attention to the sidewalk. It's Sam, making a beeline toward me. Hey. He has his sweet, hesitant little way of smiling. I wonder if he's adopted this soft demeanor to counterbalance his large, looming presence. Or maybe he does it to contrast his brother on sub-subconscious level. There's so much I wish I knew about these Winchesters. Hi. I smile back. Any luck? I shrug. Not really. Did you get anything on what Dean found out? His face shifts, a slight note of worry. Haven't seen Dean since he went inside. He cocks a thumb at the center window. The lights are still on. A couple meeting attendees stayed behind for some coaching from what I could piece together. I stop and scour my memory banks. Last time I saw him was at the start of the meeting. That was 40 minutes ago. He's not in the car. He called when I was asking some questions about the other possible victim. Didn't leave a message tried to call him back about 10 minutes ago after I left the restaurant. I figured... Sam sighs. Will you call him? I'm going to try and track his cell location. I nod. We both pull out our phones and get to our tasks. He could be in the diner, I reason. The man can always eat. Sam nods, his face lit up by the screen he's studying. I call. It rings and rings and eventually goes to voicemail. His deep, recorded voice makes my stomach twist. You reach Dean. Leave a message. I end the call as it beeps. Come on, location's got him blipping in this general area. You might be right about the diner. Or knowing Dean, he could be checking things out around back. Every one step Sam takes requires me to take three. The wraparound corner-to-corner picture windows of the hometown diner and its bright interior lighting allow us to take in the entirety of the scene without a step inside. Sam huffs and tucks hair behind an ear. His eyes flit about and canvas the area. No Dean hunched over a burger in a booth or stuffing his face with french fries. I don't see that broad back tugging at the seams of his suit jacket. He's not sitting at the counter indulging in something sweet. Sam? I question, not really understanding what I should ask next. As far as I remember, the game plan was to meet outside after the meeting. Dean was going to be in the car, waiting for me to come out.
making sure nothing happened to me. Why would he decide not to do that when that seemed so important earlier? It was one of the main reasons he was worried about me helping out on this case to begin with. Stay close, okay? Sam slows his pace, remembering my stride in comparison to his. There's a streetlight on the corner around the back of the diner. The small side street has a filled parking lot with patrons. If we walk farther down the road, past the lot and closer to the back of Scale Warriors, the lighting is almost non-existent. And that's exactly where Sam is headed. I've been told and read the only way to kill a vampire is by beheading. Dean had proudly showed off a sharpened machete back at the bunker, but something tells me that neither one of these brothers is sporting one under their jackets tonight. Guns, maybe. Sam reaches the edge of the diner lot, just outside the safe halo of light from above. Dean, he whispers in the night air, out into the shadows near the back entrance of the center. A dumpster serves as a marker defining the diner's property line. There are a few cars parked on the other side of it, more than likely belonging to the scale warrior staff. What the hell, Dean? He mumbles to himself and pulls out his phone. He swipes with muscle memory, and I spot Dean's name on his screen before he calls his brother. I hear the clatter first. A rumble somewhere nearby, on the ground. I turn this way and that, try to pinpoint. Librarians are pretty good at isolating where a noise is coming from. Then, I spot the light, radiating from under the restaurant dumpster. Shit. I tug at Sam's sleeve. Shit. Sam verbalizes my inner thought, dashes to retrieve what we both know will be Dean's phone. I rush over to Sam's side again. My heart sinks at the confirmation. I glance over Sam's forearm. The screen is open to my text message thread with Dean. I should have answered when he called. But he should have texted me the name of the boss at the weight loss center if he'd gotten it. Damn it. He slaps the phone against his thigh. Laura Sullivan. I reply on autopilot, feeling my voice disconnect from my body. What? Sam turns to face me. I heard Dean asking one of the staff. Boss's name is Laura Sullivan. Someone caught on to our sniffing around. Sam hands me Dean's phone. I'm going to check the dumpster and the cars. He grabs my biceps with two very large hands and squeezes, guiding my back to lean against the metal of the trash stasher. He bends down a couple feet and looks straight into my eyes, pleading. Don't move. Keep an eye out. Let me know if someone's coming. I struggle to nod, not really seeing Sam. I stare down at Dean's phone for a moment. All I can see clearly is the very last word Dean texted me. After. After.